0: If you have a Bible, turn to Acts 27. And um, if you have your phones, maybe you don't have your Bible with you, you can pull up your phone as well and go to Acts 27. As you're turning there, I am going to be leading us in the Word as we finish out our Acts series. David Key is going to be actually leading us on Palm Sunday. And then I'll be back to preach on Easter. So yes, very excited to have David Key preaching but the reason that timeline is there is because John and Danielle had their third kid. His name is Judd. I think we have a picture of him. There he is right there. <laughs> Round of applause. He's healthy. Mom's healthy. Praise the Lord. That is Judd Raymond right there. Uh, he, he's good. And so I just wanted to give you all an update about what's going on with the Raymonds. Um, As we look at Acts 27, we heard from John last week as he talked about that the book of Acts isn't supposed to end, but that we are to continue living out the book of Acts. And so I want to ask a question based on that as we finish this series called Family on Mission is how do we live out the book of Acts? If you're taking notes, that's going to be the primary question that we're going to be diving into, is how do we live out the book of Acts? And as we look at the book of Acts, I do want to just give context. And if you have your Bible and you write your Bible, I wrote this in my Bible a long time ago, but at the beginning of Acts, it says Acts of the Apostles. And what I kind of inserted in there, just as I read through Acts several times, is is It is the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. I know it's subtle, but I think it's helpful for us to lay that foundation down, specifically this morning because we're going to hear things from Luke that feel very practical, like action steps that we need to take to live out the book of Acts today. But I want to make sure we have that precursor or that foundation that says, Actually, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. And so we're going to be looking at how do we live out the book of Acts today? How do we live in and through the Holy Spirit? So let's look at Acts 27. And leading into Acts 27, we have the end of Acts 26. I'm just going to read it to you real fast. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, This man, Paul, has done nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. So we have Luke who's writing this passage, and he is saying, I see Paul is doing this, or Paul is doing this. Then they talked here, and they talked about it. And Paul is innocent, but he appealed to Caesar, so he's heading towards Rome. So he's about to get in a ship, a prison Uh, with a bunch of prisoners. Uh, We'll see it's actually a grain boat as well. He's heading to Rome with these people. But then Luke does something so subtle that I've read this passage so many times and I didn't catch it, but when I caught it, I was like, wait a minute. There's something that Luke is doing here to help us and to help who he's writing to, which is Theophilus. Verse 27, I'm sorry, Acts 27 verse 1 says this. And when it was decided that we... Should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners. If you look through Acts 27, just look through the verses really quickly, you see a word appearing over and over and over again. And it's the word we. He has now moved from third person to first person plural, saying, hey, I'm actually in the story. My name is Luke. I'm here with Paul. I'm actually on this ship now, and I'm experiencing heading towards Rome. He inserts himself into the story. And he doesn't just do that for historical significance. He actually does that to motivate. It's actually a literary device to motivate Theophilus to say, Hey, we are a part of something here. This is not something that happened a long time ago. We are doing this. We are experiencing this. And so I want to look at the we passages is what they're known as. There's a thread in Acts. And there's these wee passages where Luke keeps inserting himself in. He actually inserts himself in five chapters. So we're going to just briefly go through those five chapters, but we're going to have very practical steps to take based on these five chapters. And so let's start at Acts 16. You don't have to turn there. You're going to stay in 27 because two of the chapters are 27 and 28. So you could stay there. It'll be up on the screen. Acts 16, verse 10 There was a dream that Paul had had, and then this is the response. I think we have it. Uh, Let's just do verse 10, Acts 16, verse 10, the very end. There we go. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. very first thing we see here, just practically, if we're saying from third person to first person is that the we moves from being a spectator to a participator. That Luke is not on the sidelines, but he's actually saying, we are going into Macedonia. We are breaking ethnic backgrounds here. I'm going into a land where people look, think, and act differently than me, and I'm actually going in there, and I'm proclaiming the good news to these people. So you see that he is not just being a spectator, but he is called to be a participator. And for us, I want us to be thinking about this, and I'm going to ask this question a lot. For you, what is the step that you can begin to take from moving into more of being a participator? Maybe you're participating in stuff right now, like, we, like you heard. Maybe you're an MC. Maybe you've been to a class. Maybe you've shared the gospel with your roommate or your friend or whatever. But what does it look like to continue into moving, into being a participator? Maybe it is sharing with your neighbor about what God has been doing. Maybe it's after this service. You can even share maybe the stories that you heard the Gibbs share. It's like, man, man, God showed up in these people's lives this way, this way, and this way. Maybe that's what it looks like. Maybe it is... Uh, having some conversations with your family members that you've been wanting to have for a long time. And you're like, man, maybe they'll just realize it on their own. But we see here that Luke is saying, no, 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 you're supposed to participate in these conversations. Also, if you're thinking, hey, I'd love to share the gospel, but I feel guilty when I don't. I don't really understand it. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to begin that conversation. Well, If you look at the schedule that we've given you, we've got a class coming up. It's actually called Sharing God's Gospel Class. It's going to be a safe environment. It's going to be an environment where you can ask all the questions that you want on how do you share God's gospel, what does it look like. The Gibbs are actually leading that class. And what we're going to see is how can we begin sharing God's gospel in this class based on what God is doing in our lives and what the scripture says. So you might have a lot of questions about how to do it. I might not do it right. I don't know if I know the full story. We're gonna handle all of those questions for you in that Sharing God's Gospel class. So maybe for you, just to take in the first step, it's like saying, hey, I'm gonna show up to that class. That's gonna help me be more of a participator. But I don't know if you've ever been a part of church circles where people participate and it is just weird I don't know if you've ever had these experiences before but there's times that I've been a part of I call it charismania sometimes when I'm getting prayed for and we talked about this actually in our MC group where people will pray for you and just it's almost like you want me to fall down like you are shoving me to the ground (laughs) as you're praying for me I know you're wanting to bless me but like this hurts right now this is actually very uncomfortable Your hand is on my head, and I'm trying not to fall down, but you like want me to fall. I don't know what's happening. It's just weird. It's strange. What do we do with the weirdness? What do we do with the awkwardness of, like, I don't know how to share God's gospel. I don't know how to participate. What do we do when things get weird? Well, guess what? Luke inserts himself into a story that gets really weird. Acts 20. We're going to start in verse 7. If you want to turn there, you can. You can also just hold your place. It'll be up on the screen. Luke inserts himself into a story, and he says this. On the first day, just listen to the words that I emphasize. This story is hilarious. I I love reading this story. It's hilarious. It's sad. It's strange. It's like, why are you even writing about this, Luke? I don't get it. But here we go. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to take bread, Paul talked with them, and he intended to depart on the next day. He prolonged his speech. I don't know if you've ever been part of a small group or an MC where someone just takes over the group, and you're like, whoa, this guy, this gal, she or he will just not be quiet right now. They are taking up our whole time. We only have an hour. They've talked for 45 minutes. I wanted to share something. I guess it's not going to happen. Maybe you've been there. This is what Paul is doing with this group of people. He is prolonging his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room. Thank God, because it got dark, and now we can't see. And he's still talking, where we gathered. And a young man named Eutychus. He's sitting in the window. He sank into a deep sleep. He has been bored. As Paul talked, still longer. You even hear like Luke's frustration. Luke's like he prolonged his speech. Paul's still talking. He's talking so much. People are getting bored. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up. To, he was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over to him and, taking him in by his arm, said, Do not be alarmed. There's still life in him. And then let's keep reading. Listen to this. And when Paul had gone up and he had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while. He is still talking. After this guy has fallen down, he has been said to be dead by a bunch of people. He's like, no, he's not dead. Let me keep talking. And so he departed, and they took the youth away, the Eutychus, away alive, and were not a little comforted. What a weird story for Luke to put in there. What a weird story for him to say, I'm participating. This is what I love about the Bible. And you'll get to see this in the the next few passages. This is what I love about the Bible, is it is not this fairy tale, heroic portrait of Paul and Luke. You see Luke getting impatient. Praise God, I'm impatient all the time. You see Paul talking a lot. I talk a lot. You see Paul boring people. I bore people. Like, I love that this is not like showing Paul and Luke like, oh, look at these heroes. They're actually saying like, look at these humans, which is what I love about the Bible. If you think Luke is making this up, why would he insert himself into such a weird story? Why would he insert himself into a story? He could have, If he's faking it, he could have inserted himself at Pentecost. Didn't do that. Acts 2.42, when the church is exploding, he didn't do that. When Saul is converted to Paul, he could have inserted himself. He didn't do that. But he puts himself into a story where a kid falls out from three stories, dies, back to life. Paul talks the whole time. It's like not an attractive story to insert yourself. But he's saying, look, we're not heroes here. We're humans, led by the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit. We're trying to even figure this out. The Gibbs shared an amazing story, and they kind of hit on this, that there's times where our meetings or gatherings are messy. But what we see is that it is wildly Meaningful. We see that this person is raised from the dead and this whole community is changed because this youth is actually from death to life. And not only that, what we get to see is that for Luke, is that what has been horribly inconvenient has actually been turned into a holy interruption. So whenever we see, and this is, Again, the question is, what's the next step for us? How can we begin living into this reality that even the weird, inconvenient moments can still be redeemed? What does it look like for us to say, you know what, this person's weird, this person is strange, I don't understand it, what's going on? That if we actually can take maybe a step back even to say, oh, you know what, God can still use The mess of ministry. That God can redeem it. That God can actually use it to transform a whole group of people. One of the ways that we want to help with this is another class that hopefully we can do in the summer. uh, And it's going to be a hearing from God class. It's going to be a prayer class. Because one of the things that is helpful for Luke is he's able to discern what God is actually doing in this weird moment. He's actually able to figure out, okay, what is God, what is Paul, what is happening here? How can I discern this experience? And so we want to provide a class for you to participate in that. So we're going to keep going. We've got, we got to fly through these. Next one, he inserts himself. Acts 21, verse 5 says this. I think we got it up on the screen as well. There's another wee passage. When our days ended... Uh, There ended, we departed, we went on our journey, and they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city and kneeling down on the beach, we prayed. You see now that this we language has moved not just from addition to one person talking to one person, but it's moved from addition to multiplication, meaning that it is now not just exclusive to whoever their friends are or relationship. But now it has moved beyond into other relationships. There are wives. There are children. There are families who are now joining in this ministry, who are joining in in prayer. That it's not an exclusive little group, but it has multiplied, and not multiplied in such a way that it is one-to-one, but there are many. And within that, and I'll share share this language a lot, I feel like, because it's just stuck with me a ton, is that... Luke and Paul, what they've done here is that they, again, are not the heroes. They're human. And within that, they're not the heroes. They're the hero makers. Meaning, how can we set up these families to pray? How can we set up these other people to do ministry even when we are gone? They're looking beyond themselves. That they're saying, it's, it's, it's we before me. I'm going beyond myself here. To actually do ministry so that they can continue to see God move in their life even when we are gone. That they move from just addition to multiplication. That they want to include multiple people. Then we get to Acts 27. And you see that Luke inserts himself into a very interesting story. Let's read Acts 27 and let's start In verse 18, they're heading towards Rome, and they come across a storm. Since we were violently storm-tossed, and they began the next day to jettison the cargo, meaning not just the cargo, but you even see in verse 19, the tackle overboard. That word tackle is not just like fish, like when you're fishing kind of tackle. You notice I don't go fishing very much because I can't even explain what that is. Not only is it that, but it's also their beds, it's their couches, they're throwing it overboard. They even later throw their grain overboard. The thing that's going to give them money, they have now thrown out of the boat because the storm has gotten so bad. And then this is Luke writing. With neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us. Listen to this inserting here. All hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. I just want to say, Luke, the writer of Luke and Acts, in this moment feels abandoned. I don't know if you feel like, and I feel this way, and, and, I, and I hope a, a lot of you have seen it maybe this way, but, I mean, this pandemic has felt like we're going through a storm. And we're like, where is, where is Rome? Can we get to Rome, please? And in those moments, there's probably been many moments where you have felt isolated, you have felt alone, you have felt abandoned. And you probably haven't even said to yourself, man, I shouldn't even feel bad because I'm not like all these other people who may have lost some friends and family. You know, I'm not in that situation. I'm in my situation, but I feel abandoned. I just want to say to you this morning, it's okay to feel abandoned. It's okay to feel abandoned or have felt like you've been alone or isolated. Luke, the writer himself, feels this way. And in those moments, what do we do? Do we sit in that abandoned feeling? Do we stay in that abandoned feeling? We actually see Paul respond to this. It says in verse 21, Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among the men. Men, you should have listened to me and not yet sail, into Crete, uh, sail from Crete And incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid. We will get to Caesar. We will get to Rome. In those moments, what we end up seeing is... That yes, we can feel lost, we can feel abandoned, we can feel isolated, but what we see here is that it is not good for us to stay in that, that we need to share in that. I mean, Luke could write the story, however he wanted to write the story, and he said, Paul sees me as I am, someone who is covered in fear, someone who is freaking out about what's going to happen, who feels completely isolated, yet he sees me where I'm at, and he says, take courage, remember who you belong to, remember who you are called to worship. There is this reminder that comes from being integrated into a community. So we move from this isolation into integration, meaning what steps can we begin to take to share, however difficult it may be, with someone about the abandoned, fearful feelings that we have? So first, I just want to say it's okay to feel that way. Second, I want us to just, before you integrate yourself, like don't, you don't have to force it, begin walking there slowly. I also want to say that what you see is, based, based off everyone throwing things out of the boat, it is revealing where their values are storms that we go through reveal things. Storms that we face reveal things. They also refine things in us. They sharpen us. And so going through this time, I don't want us just to be like, hey, let's look for the light at the end of the tunnel. I want us to like, look back. It's okay to look back, even though we're probably sick of looking back at this pandemic. I want us to look back and say, okay, what has this storm revealed in me? And what is our Savior refining in me? Because God is up to something. And what we see here is that God has called us. God Himself is revealed when there is a we, not just a me. That we need the eyes of another person to look in on our own souls at times, however hard, however difficult it may be. This is why I love counseling, this is why I love prayer. This is why I love having conversations with people. This is why I love missional communities. Is because we need the eyes of another person because Christ is in them. The thing that we long for, the thing that we need, the hope that feels lost is in someone else. Christ is in them. Christ is in us. They have something we need. We have something they need. And in that, we can begin to say, I need you to speak hope into my life. Because I'm overcome with fear. I feel completely abandoned. I need to hear. I need courage. I need hope. And we see Paul kind of step up in this moment and understands exactly in the abandoned feelings that Luke feels, and he speaks it into his life. He speaks truth. He speaks, hey, this is where you belong. This is whom you worship. I want to encourage you. If you don't have those people that you Can get integrated with those friends. I'm not I'm not saying, hey, everyone here needs to sign up for a a current existing missional community. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you need to find people in your life who say, Do you know who you belong to? You belong to God. You need to find people in your life that says, Hey, these things that are these things that you see in your life or that you are putting all your money, your time, and your effort, those things will not last if you worship them. Who do you worship? What are you called to worship? And not only that, but then he says, I want to encourage you. Man, if you have someone in your life that is encouraging you, that's the person you need to surround yourself with. Someone who says, hey, do you know where you belong? Do you know who you're called called to worship? And do you know how amazing of a human being you are? Like, Those are the people you need to find. And surround yourself with those people because there will be more storms coming. And we need to not only reveal where our value system is, but we need someone else to refine us, to help grow us into becoming more like Christ. That's why we gather together. And at the very end, and I'll close with this, Acts 28, verse 14. Then we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And we came to Rome. And there, the brothers were there. When they heard about us, they came as far as, uh, as the forum and the three taverns to meet us. And on seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. Even Paul, the one who kind of gets idolized sometimes in the church, he took courage because he himself had lost it. But when he saw the brothers... He took courage. When he saw that he had made it, he took courage and thanked God. The promise that was given from Acts one eight is now fulfilled, and there is now a praise in his mouth. When we gather together, the practical step is move to not just understanding the promise, but move into praise. And so we see this. Just a recap. We see that we're called to be spectators, not not just spectators, but participators, that we're supposed to look beyond the horrible inconveniences into holy interruptions, that it's not just about addition and just one-on-one conversations, although that's good, that we look beyond ourselves and say, how can we be hero makers? We move to multiplication. We move from isolation into integration, and then we see that it's not just about seeing promises fulfilled, but it is about a praise in our mouth. Band, y'all can go ahead and come on up. There's two ways that we do this. There's two ways that we praise God, and we actually do it together. It's not just by singing, but there's also this thing called the sacraments, and in the sacraments, We take communion together. That's one of the sacraments that we gather together around Jesus. And we're saying, you're the only Savior that can get us through the storm. And we come together and we celebrate him. And not only that, we also have baptisms. And on Easter, we're going to do baptisms hopefully right outside uh, this door right here. And if you've never been baptized, we come together. It's not just an isolated event to say, hey, you've gone from death into life But we collectively say, look, we are coming from death into life together. We are resurrecting as Christ has resurrected. And so we do those things together. And right now we're going to go ahead and take communion. We're going to take the Lord's Supper together. We're going to move into this promise fulfilled. This finally, they made it to Rome. All road. All roads lead to Rome. They made it to the ends of the earth. And this promise moves into thankfulness. And so we want to take communion now as a way of saying this is not just talking about an old promise, but a promise that is alive and we can thank and praise God. And when we take communion, when his body is broken, if you take that little tablet at the top and you break it it's saying christ's body has been broken for us and when we take of it we're taking of it to say it's not christ who died over there but we are participating in the christ that is still alive that we are consuming christ to say the only one who's worth worshiping is christ himself And when we take up the blood, we recognize that it doesn't just free us from our sins, but it gives us life within our own bones. And so we're going to do this together. So if you have the wafer, you break it. This is his body broken for you. Then you take up the cup. this is his blood poured out for you let's pray Lord we thank you that this is not just a promise or an event but we are participating in who you are that it is Christ in us it is not Christ instead of us that we were not made as some isolated, random event, but you designed us in such a way that we were birthed from community and for community. And Lord, may we see as Luke and Paul are gathering together in community that it's completely messy, it's very inconvenient. Just like coming here this morning in this cold weather, is inconvenient and uncomfortable at times but in that you turn it for good you turn it into a holy moment and so lord help us see that we don't have to be heroes you've called us to be human you've called us to be human together and that we can set up other people to experience your goodness. May we lean into that. And when the storms come, Lord, may we see you revealed among us. That when the storms come, it's better to gather together than drift apart. Because you've called us to be united together around you. You are the promise. life into our souls now if we feel like we're in a storm if we know another storm is coming pray Lord that you would speak life into us just like Paul did for Luke would you do the same for us in your name we pray